everyone. I'm Bailey. I'm Drew. And I'm Lacey. And, and we're, we're sarcastic, sarcastic, so let's get sinister. So I'm going to tell you guys about some urban legends. Ooh. Um, we've got two of them are PA legends. And then one of them, I kind of count as Philly because it's South Jersey into Philly. So we'll talk about it when we get there. Okay, I but okay. feel like a lot of people are going to have an issue with that. <laughs> South Jersey is not Philly. Oh, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but that particular legend crosses into, there have been sightings in Philly. Mm. So I felt safe calling it local urban legends. Okay. Um, I just don't want to tell you what it is because I like to make you wait. So are you going to like describe it? One day I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Probably today. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> so the that? first one, which I had not heard of before until I started researching her, is the Lake Erie Storm Hag. And before I tell you about her, I'm going to show you a picture. I Another like, Lake Erie. Not a real picture. I like the you way you hit hag. Yeah. She needs a manicure. So this is a I rendering. What I'm getting. Not a real photograph. I'm getting Robin Hood vibes. I'm getting poison From the outfit. Poison oh. Ivy. But yes. like vampire and mm-hmm. needs is going for the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest nails. Yeah. I am but also. she's not going to win because the, the hair is, I feel like, should have snakes on it. Juicy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like those beach curls effortlessly look gorgeous. Poison yeah. Ivy mixed with a Medusa. Zombie? And a little bit of Robin Hood. Uh, well, the outfit gives me Robin Hood vibes. But, like, vampire, that. because she's got fangs. We'll make sure we use this exact picture in the Instagram post yeah. so people can understand. <laughs> What's around her waist? Post a different uh, one. It appears to be a, a rope, and I don't have... Oh, it's probably from a ship. Okay, so... Okay. She's... It's, like, Castaway meets Poison Ivy. I was going to say Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean oh, meets poison ivy. Actual wealth. They didn't need to use a yeah, there were ropes involved. Remember, Jack was pulling a rope. Yeah, somebody was pulling a rope. Uh, okay. Anyway, let's carry on. Pulled ropes sometimes. Oh, that movie. Lake Erie Storm Hag. It may surprise you to learn occurs in Lake Erie. Yeah. Sucked. Lake, Lake Erie touches PA, Ohio, New York, Michigan, and Canada. It's one of okay. the Great Lakes. Hold on. Lake Erie touches who? PA. Mm. Ohio, mm-hmm. New York, okay, Michigan, okay, Canada. Oh, all right. Now I yeah. see. Okay. Um, Lake Erie has a reputation for having really beautiful beaches, but also for being very treacherous and unforgiving if you're out on the water. Ooh, um, I love when things are described as treacherous. Yeah, yeah, it's a good word. Um, I find it interesting that we're talking about Lake Erie again, and Sam Shepard was just like water skiing on it. Yeah, totally we're... fine. I was thinking about the storm hag yesterday, but she didn't take, make an appearance in Maryland Shepherd. Maybe she did it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't actually know. That's true. Um, if you've never seen the Great Lakes like in person or even pictures, they're they're huge. It, you can stand on the beach in certain places and it feels like you're at the ocean. You can't see the other side. You can't see anything but water. Is that why they're called? Great, great lake. Yeah, where the lost boys. Like you just really don't. No, Ontario. Okay, I was gonna say which lake was the lost boys. Yeah, 
Okay. Sorry, is, that, um, is that a Great Lake too? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I need to go to the Great Lakes because I, I cannot fathom how big they are. I didn't. I was one time, um, and I had no idea until I was there, and it truly felt like, and it was it was like Erie. It truly felt like we were down the shore. Are you trying to look at my map? Because we yeah. were standing on the beach and couldn't see anything outwards other than the water. It was wild. So I feel like it's it's hard to kind of comprehend because I'm going to be talking about <laughs> ships disappearing and everything, and it feels like it doesn't make sense on a lake. But Great Lakes Wait, are not is great. Lakes. Is Lake Superior the? It looks the biggest. <clears throat> I would say that that's probably the biggest. Do you think maybe that's why it's called Superior? I would say so. Yes, okay. that would be my guess. Go on. So Lake Erie, um, the storm hag spends her time specifically around Presque Isle Ooh. in Lake Erie, which is a peninsula that stretches out into the lake. And it contains Presque Isle State Park. Pull it up. I want to see it on a map. What is it? Presque Isle. It's P-R-E-S-Q-U-E. Oh, I thought you said I've... Krusty Isle. I see. <laughs> I see like Krusty Isle. <laughs> okay. I see Pelly Island. Search it. I don't know too. It's a peninsula. Where is Oh, it's a peninsula? Yeah. Is it over here? I don't know. What part? Where is it? Where can I find it? It's in the... Lake Erie. I'm looking in Lake Erie. I thought I did enough. It's in Lake Erie. Just like where whereabouts should I look? Here. North, west, east, south. Yeah, where? What parts? Listen, I don't know. Oh my god. Unbelievable. Okay, learner, I need to see this. Yeah, I Sandusky Bay. Can I say, Storehag was the very first thing I started researching when we started the podcast, and it kept getting bumped and bumped, and since then I've gone much more to detail. Yeah, for the record, you're the one who kept bumping it. Oops. So oh, here, here, I was here. looking on the other part. So it's like, it's right on the, Pens- the Pennsylvania. Oh. oh yeah. yeah. Right so there? Yeah. Presky. Little. Oh, it's a state tennis. park. Wonderful. Okay. You're hitting a pitch. Wow. Easy there, Charlie Kelly. <laughs> so the great why in the why in the camel? Oh. So she hangs out there. Located yes. in their mind. Yes. The Great Lakes were first recorded being explored in the 1600s, hmm. and the storm hag starts appearing in legends in the mid 1700s. Wow. Yeah. So like the beginning, almost. Yeah. I'm Billy way back, ball. not new. So our description of. This, yeah, you saw an artist rendering of her. She yeah. is a sea witch, much like Ursula, with no tentacles. She's a little thinner than Ursula. Yes, she is described as a real thin, hideous demon. What's Ursula's sister's name? Uh, Maybe. Settle down. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, but it, I, don't, I don't remember her name. Sabine. No. Sabina. Is it? I think it starts with an M. No, Ariel. Oh. No, it's Ariel oh, too. It's oh. Little Mermaid too. First, oh, someone out there knows yeah. this and is gonna like be Somebody's like cringing. Yeah. Right Sorry, guys. Uh, My laptop's taken off. Morgana. Mor- that's a good oh, name. She's in Taskmaster. We were watching her yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we are all over the place. Focusing back to the storm. It's called Rail Thin Hideous Demon. Witch. She has bright, glowing yellow eyes. Her skin is a sickly pale green. Her teeth are pointed and sharp and also green, which has given her another nickname. Okay, so she like really the looks Morgana. Looks correct. Yeah. 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 Except probably Morgana's a little bit prettier. Yeah, the sea hag. Than the one that showed me. 
Well, this is a sea witch, not a hag. So yeah. Uh, well, the sea ha- the storm hag is also considered a sea witch. Is she related to Morgana? Could be. Maybe she's the ugly, ugly sister. Yeah. Do you think maybe she should do an ancestry report? <sighs> I'll send her. I'll send She'd her. probably get <laughs> disappointed. Send her a two. Um, she's also been given the nickname Jenny Greenteeth because her teeth are pointed, sharp, and green. Jenny Greenteeth is like a separate urban legend in oh, okay. Ireland or England that I'm going to at some point dive into. But the locals also refer to the storm hag as Jenny Greenteeth because of her green teeth. That's rough. But just she name has her Jenny. strong, long arms with talons at the end. You guys are talking about her nails. Um, oh. one prick of one of her talons can kill a man. Oh, boy. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she lives. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. lives at. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Carry on. Sorry. She lives at the the lake, but she lurks beneath the water. Beneath the- Top of the water, specifically around Presky Isle when she's hunting. What she does is she waits for ships to appear and then she sings to lure them to her. So she's like a siren. Well, kind of like a siren is what I was thinking while I was learning about her. The singing transfixes them. So as a storm appears, they aren't like fighting the storm. And this is the song that she sings. Oh. I'm not going to sing it to you. No, I thought you were going to play it. I thought you were going to play it. I was like, I'm, I'm not near the lake. I don't want to ruin this for everybody by singing it. <laughs> Come into the water, love. Dance beneath the waves. Where dwell the bones of sailor lads inside my saffron cave. That's it. I'm assuming she's, she's a really good poet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So she sings to lure them in, and as they become transfixed, she calls a violent storm. Okay. So, so she then can she has the weather. Yes. Oh. She has two methods here. One is that the storm is kind of wrecking the ship. The sailors are being thrown off or they're jumping off. And as they hit the water, she wraps her arms around them and pulls them down to the bottom of the lake. Does she eat them? Great question. Who's to say? She just likes to murder people. Maybe. Their bones are in her saffron cave. It just sounds like a euphemism to me. And every time I say inside my saffron (laughs) cave. Especially the bone part. Yes. Isn't saffron a spice? Yes. Her cave is yellow. Don't worry about it. It's spicy. So her first method is the storm kind of, you know, has the sailors being thrown off the ship or jumping in the water and she kills them as they enter the lake. Her second method is to allow them to survive the storm. To give them false hope. Oh, she's a dick. And then as the storm settles down and they realize they made it through, she rises from the lake and sinks the ship. Don't ask oh, me for any more details. She's, about a, she's a bitch. Oh, yeah. I like that version. That's, That's, you're like, oh, guys, we made That is petty. I'm just having a hard time with wrapping my head around the fact that Lake Erie is big enough for a ship to be in. How does it get there? Hi. <laughs> It's built How did it get anywhere? What you... I'm I'm wondering. Ships are born in the ocean. They don't just. You're right. I actually they they need a place to migrate to get into the lake. It's like a whale. Is it like? Is it? They say it's so cute. I know that you're probably not going to know this, but like, is it like for shipping? Because there's so many like. They do shipping because it touches so many there? areas. Okay. Oh. Yeah. But I too was caught up on the, the ship. I was like, at, at some point, not right now because I'm busy, um, I will figure out a way to give you guys some kind of scale for the Great Lakes. Because I'm sure they're going to come up later for disappearances because people go missing there. 
Um, I, you know, whenever we think of a lake, I can't help but think about, like, Lake Nakamixon, which is close to me, and from the sound of it, that sound, like, Nakamixon sounds like a pond. Yeah. Or, like, a puddle. If you still have the map of it, if you scroll right, you can see New York City, Mm -hmm. and you can, I mean, you can see the size of that compared to Erie. Or, I mean, Detroit is right there on it. All right, let's pause for a sec. One. So... Lost my slide. So now you know what she looks like and how she kills the men. Now, it all sounds... Sorry. Is it always men that she's killing? Like, is it specifically, like... Women aren't on boats. Sailors. Women can't be on boats. I will say... Because their periods attract sharks. (laughs) And, you know, like Erie. And also, it's a manly job, and women aren't capable of handling Um, it. The stories go back to the 1700s, when I'm sure women were not allowed on ships. But instead of saying men, I'll say sailors. Uh, I think maybe she doesn't have as much of a vendetta against women, but we don't know her motives, so. She should really, like, come to share, sure, 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 and, like, do, like, an interview. I'll do what I can. Thank you. So here are some real-life disappearances. Do you hear her talking? Huh? You want your legs out? Oh, you want to get around and walk? Okay. Be careful. Time Seems kind of like a goofy story, um, but she has been blamed for actual documenting real life disappearances. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to the oldest and kind of work our way up. It's just a couple, but I think they're interesting. So first major one is in 1782 was the first time she was documented as being blamed for something going missing. It must be nice to be like alive in the 1700s and just be able to blame shit on random uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was the storm hag. It was not me. Oh, it was the neighbor. She's a witch. It, was it wasn't sure. me. Can't wait the to storm hag. Some witches later. So in 1782, legend itself sounds a little bit unbelievable and goofy was the word I thought when I was looking up. But she has been blamed for some real life disappearances. So I'm going to tell you guys about some real disappearances she's been blamed for. So the first recorded one was in 1782. And so in 1782, a ship was caught in a bad storm for over an hour. When the storm settled, they realized that they were near Presky Isle and decided to try to make their way to port because they'd just been through a bad storm. They needed to check things out. However, on their way to port, the storm had attacked the ship. People on shore claimed they could hear the sailors screaming as the ship sank. So the story has not been passed down by the sailors because they died. But the people on shore heard the ship being attacked by the storm hag. Uh, after the storm had passed and heard the sailors screaming as the ship. But, like... Don't worry about it. Don't question it. I mean, I would be screaming, too, if a ship was sinking. Like, look at Titanic. There's a lot of information about that one. Yeah. We're gonna come... We're gonna ch- Just jump forward. Just chug through that one. Yeah. 1937. I, uh... The, the freighter O.M. McFarland left Presky Isle for Port Washington, Wisconsin. So we said before, what's one thing they would need ships for? A uh, freighter was transporting goods and stuff. So, oh, big boy, right? Freighters. <laughs> freighters are big old ships. Uh, they left Presky Isle for Port Washington, Wisconsin. The captain went to his cabin and he instructed the first mate to alert him when they were approaching port. So at 1.15 a.m., the first mate knocked on the cabin door to tell the captain they were approaching port. Nobody answered. He opened the door. The captain wasn't there. He thought, well, maybe he got up and went to get food. So he checked the galley. Not there. At this point, he organized the search. 
the crew members searched every part of the vessel, and he was not on the freighter anymore. Ships along his route and communities along the shoreline were um, asked to keep a watch for his body if they found it, and he was never found. He was never seen. So he just, like, disappeared? He went to bed, and... That was the last time anybody saw him. Do you, okay, but they're blaming this on the storm hag and not like thinking. Yes, maybe he jumped overboard. He right. jumped overboard to get to the storm hag, right? Because of her siren. Because and she dragged him to the bottom. That's why he was like, body. yeah. He never washed up anywhere. None of the ships along his route ever. Okay, this one's my favorite. December nineteen forty-two, oh. World War Two. It doesn't play a role. I just, it's just, it's just put it. <laughs> Putting us in the... Locating us in history. Now now I feel like I'm immersed in the story. So this involves an oil tanker called Clevco. That was the oil tanker's name. And it's tugboat named the Admiral. Tugboats are silly. Stop it. Which I think is so cute. They had a tugboat? Yes. So the Admiral was tugging on Clevco to get where he needed to go. This happens just off the coast of Cleveland. So at 4 a.m., the Clevco crew noticed that Admiral had disappeared but it was still connected to the tow line, and the tow line was angled toward the bottom of the lake. So they assumed the tugboat sank, uh, and they sent a distress call. They weren't freaked out or anything by it. It's a thing that happens. So around 4 a.m., the Clevco crew noticed Admiral had disappeared, and its tow line was angled toward the bottom of the lake. So the, the line wasn't just slack in the water. It was clearly still connected to something because it was taut. So they assumed that the Admiral had sank, and they sent a distress call. Um, they called the Coast Guard with their coordinates, when the Coast Guard arrived on scene, they found nothing. Clubco was not there anymore. The the entire ship the wasn't whole there? oil tanker was no longer it wasn't at the coordinates that the crew had given the Coast Guard. It does not say, I couldn't find how long it took them to get to the location. Probably because they were the Coast Guard and they were guarding the coast and not Lake Erie. The Great Lakes get the Coast Guard. They're, because it's they're right like on the oceans. Um, so the next day, the Civil Air Patrol discovered Clevco 15 miles away. Pilot Clara Livingston saw Clevco. She called it in, and the radio went dead. And as she had eyes on Clevco, a sudden snowstorm appeared. And when the snowstorm left, Clevco was gone. Th- I love this one because this is all documented. It was only 1942, so it wasn't that long ago, and it's enough to give me goosebumps. So her radio stayed dead. She could not call and tell them what happened. So she returned to base to let them know what happened. The Coast Guard went to the location she gave them. Nothing's there. Well, because, I mean, she lost it. So it's not <laughs> there anyway. Later that day, a Coast Guard cutter named Osipi or Osipi? Coast Guard what? A cutter. It's a type of boat. Oh, okay. Um, I was spotted like... the boat again. When it was almost in range of Clevco, a snowstorm appeared and when the snowstorm moved on Clevco had disappeared again do you think it just drifted off i don't know how big the snowstorm was i picture a cloud just moves yeah. in like a cartoon it's like just, just a minute just, just like a minute just the cloud just passes through it's like the, the little snowstorm over olaf at the end of the movie yes where's Clevco? oh um so it's like a fog rolled in and then quickly rolls so out. Three thirty p.m. Clevco contacted the Coast Guard. They said that they were adrift and they couldn't steer and they didn't know where they were. They were in contact with the Coast Guard for over an hour. Coast Guard told them to dump their oil to make it easier to find them in the water. Yes. 
1942. Oh, okay, then it was fine. The environment, and also they didn't wanted to find the people. Mm, I'm sorry. They're in a lake. It's a great lake, but like, just choose a direction. You're gonna find land. (laughs) But they were—they couldn't steer. They said they were adrift, and they couldn't steer anymore. So they were on land. No. (laughs) What does adrift mean? Oh. I assume that replace it with drifting. They were just drifting along and could not control they were the direction on the, of the boat, the ocean, oh. or the lake. Yeah. Um, why do you think that meant they were on land? What is what does it mean when they have like crashed into the land? Uh, beached. Yeah, a beached. No, they no they they're beached. So, um, so like grab an oar and just start paddling one way. There's an oil tanker. <laughs> they can't reach the water from the top, I feel. So they were in contact with the Coast Guard for over an hour, and at 4.30, contact ceased. The next morning, bodies of two crew members washed ashore. Murder. Their life jackets were covered in oil, so we can assume that they were dumping the oil in the water, like they were told to. Fell in a but oil. the ship, the oil tanker, and the rest of the crew were never found. Um, so, thinking back to our Lost Boys of Ontario, when we were like, oh, why couldn't they find... They never even tried to find the bodies in the ships in the lake. Like, they never tried, but also, they lose oil tankers out there. Okay. They didn't lose it. The sea... Tag took it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was gonna um, say the sea witch of <laughs> Lake Erie. But also, if they can't steer, I'm assuming the ship is just going straight, not, like, turning in circles. Unless there's a breeze, or... A, a breeze is moving an oil tanker. Maybe a tiny little. There was a storm. Is moving. Snowstorm. I don't think it's fine. Oh, it's awkward. So, anyway, uh, locals say you can hear the screams and cries of drowned sailors just before and after a storm on Presky Isle. That's I think it might just be the wind. No, you're being very pessimistic. So, that's all that I have for you guys for the storm hack. So, what do you think? That's it? Yeah, shut up. <laughs> no, I'm just like it they seems... disappear. They're not there to tell us the story. Actually, I get it, but like I feel like there. If we're counting all of these accidents, like I feel like there should be like sightings, even if it was yeah. like fake. It's not like the Loch Ness like, monster where drowning. every time people go out, they're like, "Oh, I definitely saw her." So yeah, not as much evidence, but it's fun. I think she's fun. I think but she's I mean, like if a, everyone, a siren. If everyone has died, how do we know what she looks like? I don't know why you have so many questions while I'm just talking. I feel like someone has probably seen her and over the years told stories, and it's probably also just, like, urban legends, so things are just... I think they started off blaming something for ships disappearing or wrecking, just like we would blame sirens. Like a storm? But, I mean, like, they... Oh, like a mythical thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But like they, how we blame people for being witches. Yeah. And because it just the cows on, died. She took on her own but spin a little are real. bit. No, I know. But in Massachusetts, they were not. Yeah, it wasn't the ones that were burned. Died. No, I was, but like, but yeah, I get, yeah. I got it. Ready to hear about the next one? So excited! Is this so that was this it? is the one also in PA? This one is in Philly. Okay, great. Go birds. Woo! Go this, birds. Uh, also never heard of. Jason, how about you guys? Have you heard of the bus to nowhere? That yeah, actually. Place? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this one's can maybe a bummer, but like more uplifting in theory. Okay. Um, not a whole lot of information about it. I, I don't have a picture of the bus to nowhere, but here's a picture of a bus. <laughs> In case we didn't know what a bus looked like. Because I, I, like, 
briefly like saw like articles or just like little mentions of it mm-hmm. uh, and it's always been like accept a bus which yeah. is just like if you're not from philly it's just like our regional bus service yeah. and transportation service it's southeastern pennsylvania transit authority hey i, I did really not know that that's what that's for me neither. yeah i do know uh, so philly there are about 1.3 million commuters who live in philly which means they need a lot of buses yeah for them you're one of those commuters. I'm a commuter. She oh, doesn't I don't, take the bus, I don't live in, the, in Philly, but and she doesn't you're not take in a bus. place in your life where the bus to nowhere is going to show up for you. No, there are... SEPTA has a fleet of over 1,000 buses. And they're awful drivers. So, I love what they call it a fleet. Yes. The bus to nowhere is off, also sometimes referred to as the wandering bus. <clears throat> um, accounts of it began circulating in 2011. Oh. So it's not a very old story. Somebody had posted some type of an article about it, and it was thought to be just, like, a work of fiction. Yeah. But dozens of Philadelphians started coming forward saying that they had experienced this, and they didn't realize... They thought it was just a kind of a weird incident on a bus. They didn't think mm-hmm. anything of it, but there were a lot of people with similar stories. So it's gained some traction. So, it roams the city from dusk to dawn. It does not have any... Des- it doesn't display a destination number. It doesn't have a route number. Um, they said in different articles I read, there's no route for it on any transportation maps. And I feel like we could just assume that there's no route for the bus to nowhere on any transportation you maps. You don't know. SEPTA might have it on their, on their website. So it only appears for those who need it most. These are people who are suffering from despair and hopelessness, who have kind of reached the end of their rope. Something has gone very wrong. Um... An example was given somebody lost their job and wasn't able to make the rent payments for a couple months and were just evicted and had nowhere to go. And they really were like, I don't know how to survive another day. Oh. So, like, the pits of despair. You have a heavy heart, a sense of impending doom, and you are wandering the streets of Philly between dusk and dawn because you don't know what to do. Which is also not a good time to wander the streets yeah. of Philly. You'll see it when you feel you can't go on any longer, and you will know immediately that it has come to help you. You have two options at this point. You can get on the bus or ignore the bus. If you ignore it, you will never get a second chance. It will never come back for you. To get on the bus, it won't just stop for you there. It will go past you and you have to chase after it. Not very long, just enough to earn your ticket, okay? To show the driver that you recognize this opportunity and that you want to take it. So chase after it briefly. It'll stop. You can enter the bus. The driver will not engage with you, even if you try to engage with the driver. You will go and sit. Um, There will be other people on the bus, but you won't interact with anybody. Nobody's talking. It's silent. And you will fall into a state of deep reflection. This is considered the magic of the bus. It allows you to work through your despair. You stay there as long as you need to. For some people, this might be a few hours. For some people, this might be a few years. Yeah. You'll be on the bus for years. You will be on the bus for years. Just in touring Philly. Kind of transfixed states. During this time, you can't see anything of the outside world because you are so focused on yourself. Is... Writers know that they have emerged from this trance-like state when they look out the window and see city lights. Is time the same? Great question. I think no. She's never been on the bus. She hasn't know. been on the bus. So. No, but, like, have people who have been on the bus who said they were on the bus for years come off and they'd be like, you were going for five fucking minutes. Relax. Well, well we're going to get to what happens when you get off. I don't have, like, a specific answer for you, but there's some varying accounts here. Okay. So you will not emerge from this limbo, this state of deep reflection, until you're ready to make change and fulfill your purpose. 
You will emerge from it knowing where things went wrong for you and what you can do to correct them and get yourself back on the right path. This sounds like a metaphor for therapy. Oh. It just seems very much like it's a metaphor. Yeah. It, uh... Yeah. If you can't afford therapy, go to Philly, get on the bus to network. Walk to Philly at nighttime and cross your fingers. So when you're ready to disembark, you pull the cord and it will leave you at the exact spot it picked you up. Convenient. Yes. Some riders claim that they remember getting on and off the bus, but nothing in between. It's completely wiped. Some riders claim they were dropped off before a major event that initiated their despair. So the person in the example is dropped off before they lose their job and they are able to correct their path or so that those things don't happen. Before their wife dies or something. Yes, before whatever the thing is that sets you down that path. Interesting. Yes. Um, some riders are never able to come to terms with their own actions and therefore never leave the bus. And their loved ones never know what happened to them. This feels kind of like um, a serial killer is just picking people up, drugging them. And deciding whether or not they're going to kill them or do experiments and then drop them off. That's that's the vibe that I'm getting. Okay. I just think it's better for, for therapy, but okay. No, like, the people that have never gotten off the bus, the serial killer killed them. Um, and they gave, they drugged them with something so that... They when, don't remember. When, yeah, they're like, I've really turned my life around. Like, really strong roofies. The whole going back in time thing doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. in that theory, but... We are what we are. <laughs> I meant to say it is what it is. Snaps for that. I meant to say it is what it is, but we are came out and I went with it. No, I like it. Yeah. As the great Kesha said, we are who we are as well. The what? The great Kesha? Yeah. She sang a song. Oh, okay. I was like. She sang a song. <laughs> it was yeah. Anyway. So stories continue to surface to this day of people who say that they stepped onto this mysterious bus and regained their will to live after spending time on the bus. After being experimented on by a serial killer. Yeah. Aliens. Or going to therapy. Aliens? Do you think it's an alien? Is that your theory? No, that just popped in my head. I was like, this is interesting. Because I like, mean, being abducted. on an alien. Yeah. So that's the bus to nowhere. But the so, experiments didn't work out, yeah. and the person died. The loved ones, I don't know what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Where That's are the bodies? Interesting. They're on the bus. Or, what if they gave them too much of that, like... I'm just thinking roofie, because that's the only thing I think mm-hmm. of. They gave them too much roofie, and they never, like, Re- came out of it. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, permanent amnesia. So, like, the loved ones don't know what happened to him, but he's okay. He's living over there now. Yeah, he's an I don't know. Really and the serial killer always drops him off right where he picked him up. Just covering the tracks. Convenience. Yeah. Or what if it's just a supernatural bus that's to help people? Not the fun version. I prefer I guess serial I was going to say that's more sinister, but actually really serial killer's more sinister than Thank a magic you. bus. <laughs> So magic bus school. makes me think of Harry Potter. It's the magic school bus. Oh, okay, so that's uh, the bus to nowhere. Great. Ready? Tickets to Jersey. Jersey and the Not Jersey Philadelphia. Devil. The Jersey. The Jersey Devil, which has been cited in Philly, which is why I felt safe. We do want to clarify that we don't consider South Jersey part of Philly or vice versa. Thank I you. I just felt I could lump it in with local urban legends because the Jersey Devil has been cited in Philly. Hmm. 
I've heard of the Jersey Devil. I think if you're in the area, this is one that we've heard of. Yeah. Yes. Never dove Is it into... also that they're hockey team? It's a, yeah, the New Jersey Devils, I think. Yeah. Did you not know that? No. I'm going to double check that. I'm sure they're, they're I think their uh, uniform is red. Like metal? And black, I feel like. You continue. We're going to search this. Okay. It's the ice hockey team, New Jersey Devils. Hey, we're sorry. It's but. a, their logo is weird. Is it a J? Oh, it's an N and a J. Yeah. With a horn yeah. and a tail. Yeah. Are you looking it up? In a in a but black circle, like an adventure. Horns, so. Well, devils do. Okay. I think. Not the one in Jersey. Look. See the N? No, because you didn't turn your computer. <laughs> See the N? Yes. And then and the, the J, J and, the and, the and the devil horns circle. and the tail. And then it's, and then it's circled like an Avenger. Um, we've all heard of the Jersey Devil. I had never gone into any of the lore before. And I got caught up a little bit researching on the, like, origin story of it because I think that it's interesting. There's a couple different versions, but there's one that I like more than others. So, oh, yes. the Jersey Devil is also known as the Leeds Devil um, because, well, our origin story. So, it's in Pine Barrens, New Jersey is where it originated one way or another and where most of the stories and the sightings occur. And Leeds is kind of like a little section in Pine Barrens. Yes. What is... The place in it where it lives. Isn't it called the Pine Barrens? I think maybe just the Barrens. Something I, I'm not Barrens. actually sure. But it's similar. Is Barrens like a like a sewer thing or no, I mean it has kind of negative connotations, the Barrens. <clears throat> now I feel like you're saying um to be barren is negative and that's well, usually okay. barren is like empty and bring cool. too much into yeah. it. Jesus Christ. So I'm going to show you guys like an artist picture of the Jersey Devil. It's kind of a let. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll show you, but it loses a lot of the Horror? sinister. Okay. You, you know what? I'll wait. <laughs> don't don't, Save it don't for the tell end. me yeah. that it's not that Yeah, good. those of you who are listening, if you like to pause look at pictures, just hang tight. Okay, so... Well, I'll of, put it on the Instagram. Yeah, okay. One of our origin stories is about a woman named Jane Leeds, who was a Pine Barrens resident in the 1700s. She was known as Mother Leeds in the community. She had 12 children, Ooh. and when she fell pregnant with her 13th, she cursed it in frustration and said, this child will be the devil. I mean, lucky she number 13. Yeah. Uh, her 13th child was born on a stormy night in 1735. Some neighbors were present as the women would gather to help. Very they, handmaid's tale. Don't ask me how I know it's a stormy night. They told me, and I believe them. It was born normal, and then, according to the accounts of it, was, it was born, born a baby. It was born normal. And then, according to legend, it changed to a creature with hooves, a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail. Don't try to picture it yet. I'll show you what <laughs> Growling and screaming, it flew up the chimney and headed to the woods. Can you imagine having a baby what? and it turns into that and it just leaves? What? But like, what? I'd be glad that it left, but also have quite a few questions. I'd be a little disappointed. So it turned into that immediately? Yeah, I mean... Okay. It was born it was normal like, and then changed. Within, everybody was still there dealing oh. with afterbirth. Okay. So it was very, very quick. It was still that night. Okay. It was like, it's not like... A metaphor yes. for the terrible twos or something. <laughs> Could you no, imagine? it was a real quick. Um, terrible twos, <laughs> and then the baby left. 
In some versions of the story, Jane Leeds is a witch, and the father of the child is the literal devil. I can see that. Yeah. But after 12 children, then she decides to meet with the devil? Maybe the other ones were his kids, too, but he had to get to 13. Oh, okay. Maybe. Well, she cursed it. If she's a witch, a curse will actually do something. Okay. I'm just saying. Um, I feel like you don't believe her. Another version of events is that Mother Leeds was a woman named Deborah Leeds rather than Jane Leeds. Um, because in historical records, a man named Jafet Leeds, who is Deborah's husband, he named 12 children in the will that he wrote in 1736. Um, according to legend, you know, the devil creature was born in 1735, so it kind of fits with the timeline. So people said, well, maybe it's actually Deborah Leeds. So those are the fun origin stories of the Jersey Devil. I like this one better. So then, wait, so the baby grew up and became the Jersey Devil? Well, it's just that that night it turned into. Did you not listen? Do you want me to? Say no, <laughs> I just listen. listen. I'm just picturing a tiny baby with those. Stuff. Oh, it's got hooves, the face of a goat, bat wings, and a forked tail. Yeah, yeah, but I'm picturing that in the size of a baby. Well, well I guess I got a little bigger. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, okay, maybe it was a baby devil, we don't and have then any accounts of like how big it supposedly is. Although I do have an account of what some hikers thought. We'll get there. Well, it's probably bigger because that was a baby. Yeah, it was in the 1700s. Like, yeah. I imagine yeah. that it ran off, got bigger, became the Jersey Devil. I just wanted to make sure that was good. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's the other version of events. This is the bell um, one. That where the... Like? Yes. Because okay. this, I think, is actually what happened. Like, where people got the idea of the Jersey Devil. And I just like it because it's kind of historical and I enjoy that. Mm. So there was a man named Daniel Leeds. In the 1600s. Lots of Leeds. Yeah, yeah, was it like a popular name or something? I feel like the Leeds has something well, to do with Well, this. Leeds is like the area, and it's also called the Leeds Devil, so people were kind of looking at who the Leeds were at the time. So he was living in the 1600s, so before the idea of Janet Leeds having her baby in 1735. Got it. His- when you said that, in my head, I was like, you know how they're like, oh, she's living in the past. Mm-hmm. I thought you meant like he was living in the 1600s. He needed to get it together, oh. be more present. Anyway, that was what I was thinking. But his third wife had nine children, so the idea of the mom of the Jersey Devil having a lot of kids kind of fits in there. But that's okay. not super important. So Daniel Leeds had acquired land in the Egg Harbor area, located within Pine Barrens. It was inherited by his sons and is now known as Leeds Point. One of the areas in Pine Barrens most associated with the Jersey Devil legend and sightings. So that's why people keep looking back for the Leeds, because Leeds Point. So Daniel Leeds was a Quaker. Um, He was also a, what were they called, British sympathizer. So this is before the Revolutionary War, but people were starting to kind of split into we want to be our own country or we need to stay loyal to the crown. And he wanted to stay loyal to the crown. He was ostracized by his congregation. After he published almanacs containing astrological symbols and writings. Fellow Quakers Quakers deemed these too pagan and blasphemous. Mm -hmm. In response, he published more. Because he was a petty bitch. He said, fuck you. Here's some more. Also, Leeds Point is near Brigantine. What happened there? I don't remember. It, was that- I'm just I'm just giving a point that oh, it's just right like- near Atlantic City. Okay, gotcha. Like we oh, could, we okay. could go. We could go. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. 
So he started becoming fascinated with Christian occultism, mysticism, cosmology, demonology, and natural magic. So all the things you shouldn't do if you are a good little Quaker. In 1690... Little Quaker. <laughs> Sounds like he wasn't a good little Quaker. Mm, he, he was naughty. In the... <laughs> He was a naughty little Quaker. In the 1690s, his writings were censored by the Philadelphia Quaker meeting, so like the regional Quaker heads, as being blasphemous or heretical. Weren't Quakers just Phili- like PA? I don't know. You guys have Quakers where you are? I'm talking to you. I I think of Ben Franklin when I think of Quakers. Yeah, I thought the Quakers were just like He's peaceful people. Here. Yeah, oh. they're nonviolent. But like I yeah, thought they people. were Pennsylvanian. Or maybe I'm just thinking of like the Amish. I think that they maybe Oh, there are also Amish, Amish in like Ohio and stuff. Oh. Yeah. But we OG Amish in Pennsylvania. Uh, so we could explain the OG. Looking at that Yeah. Yeah. Carry on though. Okay, so um after his writings were censored by the Philadelphia Quaker meeting, he converted to Anglicanism and published anti Quaker writings. Anglicanism? Oh, so Might be he, saying that right. So he went to the, like, he said, fuck yeah. Quakers, I'm going to yeah. the other And way. he started publishing anti-Quaker writings. Um, it's important to note that the Quakers in his community were also very anti-England. And so the fact that he was still supporting England was a thing for them as well. Okay, so Quakers were originally... The Quaker movement was founded in England in the 17th century by George Fox. In the U.S., Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey have Quakers. Okay. But also, you can find them in Indiana, North Carolina, Iowa, and Ohio. Yeah, like Amish. So, the dispute between Daniel Leeds and his Quaker community in Pine Barrens was, got pretty public and pretty people knew about it. He was, they used the word endorsed, but I think they just mean like publicly supported by Lord Cornbury. Who was the governor of New Jersey. Lord Cornbury. Yeah, you might be able to tell by the name. He was the England-appointed governor of New Jersey. Um, and so the Quakers didn't like him because they were, we want to be our own country. Right. And he was Britain's hands there in Jersey. Good word choice. Thank you. England's hand. So he really, the Quakers considered Leeds a traitor for aiding the crown. Hmm. Um it seemed like he kind of enjoyed the attention. Yeah, he he didn't. He never apologized for anything. He didn't like stop. Like I told you guys before, he published an almanac, and they said, "Don't do that." And he's like, "Here's some more." Yeah. So he was having a good time. I can't get enough. Like yeah. he was, like he was, like thriving from the drama. Like the drama. It's very uh, Jersey Shore esque. Mm. So. In 1716, so moving ahead now, kind of moving on from Daniel Leeds, moving to his son, Titan. Titan Leeds. Yeah, Titan Leeds. That's a good name. Yeah, he inherited his father's almanac business, which eventually competed with Ben Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac. So in 1733, Ben Franklin, who was a fun little jokester, used his almanac almanac, to predict Titan's death in October. That is fun. For shits and gigs. What? So... Everything I read made it seem like Ben Franklin was just having some fun. And maybe he was, but also maybe he was being a dick. And we're friends. What's an almanac again? You know. What I know about it is that it predicts the weather for farmers. Yeah. Oh. But I feel like that's not the case. You think it's like a, uh, 
uh, like a little like news. That's how I'm picturing how it was at the time was a little bit more newsletterish. Like you can look at the almanac every year and it'll give you a prediction for like how much snow we're gonna get. And stuff like that. So it's like a it seems like it seems like of? it would be irrelevant with the internet. Yeah. Well, it's kind of fun though to look at. Like my dad used to look at the almanac to see what they said ahead of time the winter was gonna be like, and then and be like, like huh, if they were right or not. Something they were surprisingly accurate. But it seems like back then it was something that came out more often. If it's he an, was like predicting a sure it's like a weekly newsletter. It's an it's an annual calendar containing important dates and statistical information, such as astronomical data and tide tables. Yeah, I'm thinking that so horoscopes. Yeah, so he was like, if you're a Scorpio, you're gonna yeah, die. It's not looking good. Hint, hint. Mm-hmm. So they are acting like this was all in good fun on Ben Franklin's side. I think that we this maybe- was towards Titan. Yeah. Okay. I think that we also maybe like to assume good things of Ben Franklin because yeah. we like him. And he could have just been... If your name starts with a T and ends with an N and you're a Scorpio, you're going to die. Yeah, he could have just been being a jerk. Yeah, it sounds uh-huh. more like a jerk. Like, oh, Franklin. It's like one of those things where the bully is bullying and they're just like, we're just having good fun. Yeah. If I've learned anything from The Office, Ben Franklin had syphilis. And also girlfriends in Paris. Mm. Oh, not a solid guy. <laughs> well, Titan sure didn't think so. He didn't like this, and he published his being, own. To, being his having his death predicted, he didn't yes. like it. He published something angry in his almanac, and they were publicly back and forth in their almanac for a while, which is why I'm saying I don't think it was yearly for them because it wasn't like every year they would have a new. It's it sounds like kind of like in Mean Girls when they like had the burn book, but like each of them had their own burn. So like, my favorite what? part about this is when after when October came and went and Titanleaf was still alive, and the next one that Franklin posted, he referred to Titanleaf as a ghost. He was like, "Oh look, this ghost is right." <laughs> He's really so angry and Ben Franklin kept doing it. And so- I was, I'm getting like, I love how petty and like, they're just mean girls. Yeah. Didn't like John Adams and Thomas Jefferson write mean letters to each yeah, other? We think like when they were distinguished when they were running for president, they would post like, what did they like? You know, you can learn more about that. Drunk history. Oh, oh that's two different answers. Yeah. In Drunk History, they they were like, he's a trans um, transvestite or something like that. And then he's like, he's not even alive. <laughs> they were so... It was so childish. It was you know, Twitter wars, but when know, they had to... When, break, I, when I start get When I get in a fight with a person next, I'm just going to say, you're not even alive. Yeah. And then they well, also... <laughs> also, that? that seems to be a big burn. <laughs> you're actually a ghost. The uh, whole idea of Titan leads as a ghost. Then it was like this rumor that got around, so that may have added to the like, Jersey Devil thing. No one saw him enough to be like, I "Oh, just kidding." Titan it's right just there. all of this stuff kind of combined. They think kind of added to the idea of the Jersey Devil. Um, so that happened, and they, he and Ben Franklin had this feud until Titan Leaves died, and up until that day, Ben Franklin referred to him as a ghost. After that October, every time he would post about maybe right about him. Ben Franklin was just like trying to be trendy and like get in front of everyone else. Yeah. It's just it's so petty. Oh, Here, so I want to pause real quick. All right, so we just watched a clip from Drunk History about Thomas Jefferson and Adam John Adams, um, and I feel Tommy Jeff. Tommy Jeff and Johnny Ads. 
And I feel like their eighth grade bullshit is very similar to Titan and, and Daniel Benny's. Which looks yep. pretty on Daniel par. Is bad. I already lost track of who's yeah. in. It's uh, pretty yeah. on par with the time. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so um something else that kind of lends credence to the idea that the Jersey Devil legend came out of some lead family stuff is that in 1728, which is actually a couple years before, Titan and Ben Franklin started their fun stuff. 1728? Um, 1728. Hmm. That's before 1776. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> there are so many other years. <laughs> you know what else? Before 1776. No, but it's crazy that, like... 1523. You know when that was? Before 1776. Yeah, even before 1728. It, what's crazy? What were you trying to say? In my head. Never mind. <laughs> no. Does yeah. it throw you off that Ben Franklin was, like, pre-revolution? Yeah. Okay. I get that, because sometimes it's... You know, ben Franklin was, like, Keep a track of the timeline. Like, old during 1776. I don't think he was ever young. <laughs> okay. You, you think he just came out of his mom with a beard? Like, can you picture a young Ben I don't think he ever had a beard. I, I think he think just so. had long white hair and those glasses. glasses. And wore the pantaloons. Well, he did from the office because he had. Uh, he was. He invented the bifocals. Yeah, he needed them. Anyway, I'm just doing this for Drew. 1706. He was born, so 70 years before we were a country. Wow. And let me just clear up the other end for us. For the record. He died in 1790, so he did see America become America. My he signed the Constitution, didn't he? Yeah, well, that's for the Declaration of Independence. Did you even know who Benjamin Rush was? Yeah, the name sounded familiar. Okay, well. Do you really want to fight me right now? (laughs) No, I want to tell you more stuff. Okay, 84. I feel like that was really old for the time. What? It does feel really old. It was. So. So, so in 1728, Titan Leeds began to include the family crest on the masthead of the Almanacs. This is interesting because the family crest depicted a wavern, which is a dragon-like creature with bat wings that stands up on two feet. This is a wavern. So a dragon. So uh, kind of like a dragon. Does it I, don't, have I, don't know, I don't know what it's supposed to be, what the difference is supposed to be between this and a dragon. It looks like a dragon and a pterodactyl had a baby. It does. Um, they're also... I, I think smaller because I think a dragon is like a lizard with wings. Yeah, and a pterodactyl has like the hand claw things. Claw, yeah, but like yeah, because it does have like the hand claw, claw things. So it's more like a bird without like. It's anyway. literally it's a dragon and a pterodactyl combined. So by the late 1700s, early 1800s, it had become a legendary monster or ghost story in the Southern Jersey area. But we didn't start calling it the Jersey Devil until the early 20th century. Before that, it was the Leeds Devil, because that was the area that it was most often seen, or because of the Leeds family, or the Devil of Leeds. It even appeared in printed material. So there is an article in the Atlantic Monthly in 1859 that referenced this devil. And then there was also a newspaper article in 1887, and I actually have um, a little piece from it, and I have a picture of the actual article, but here is the quote from the article, okay? And I can't give you any background information about this, because I don't have it. Whenever he went near it, it would give a most unearthly yell that frightened the dogs. It whipped at every dog on the place. That thing, said the colonel, is not a bird nor an animal, but it is the Leeds devil. 
according to the description, and it was born over in Eversham, Burlington County, a hundred years ago. There's no mistake about it. I never saw the horrible critter myself, but I can remember well when it was roaming around in Eversham Woods fifty years ago, and when it was hunted by men and dogs, shot at by the best marksmen there were in all South Jersey, which could not be killed. There isn't a family in Burlington or any of the adjoining counties that did not know of the Leeds Devil, and it was the bugaboo to frighten children with when I was a boy. Do you like my colonel voice? I, I like your bugaboo. I was about to say, you. your colonel voice, is, it really yeah. brought me back. So this was a colonel talking about it, quoted in the newspaper talking about it, so he believed in the Leeds Devil. Um, but so there were actual, like, written references to it. It just wasn't until the early 20th century it started being called the Jersey Devil. Something else that may have contributed to um, the legend is the reputation of Pine Barrens. It was considered inhospitable land. Gangs of highwaymen who were loyal to the crown were known to attack travelers passing through Pine Barrens. In the 17 and 1800s, residents were often considered outcasts of society. There were poor farmers, fugitives, Native Americans, moonshiners, runaway slaves, and deserting soldiers. They would even foster frightening stories about themselves and Pine Barrens to discourage outsiders from coming in or trying to move into the area. So it's like a really fun neighborhood. Yeah. A lot of bugaboo cast, going cast on there. Cast of characters in there. So let's talk about some reported sightings. Um, a couple lists of just general ones. Commodore Stephen Decatur saw it while visiting the Hanover Millworks to inspect cannonballs being forged. He fired a cannonball at it. To no avail. I don't have a year for that, but they were making cannonballs. So, yes. But, <laughs> sorry. So, it has wings, correct? Uh huh. Cannonballs back then cannonball. were, well, they were also like really slow. So, it's, it's clear enough like they could that's just like walk that's away. That's why it didn't work. Like, it's not like firing a cannon today. Um, Joseph Bonaparte saw it while hunting on his Bordentown property in 1820. If the name Bonaparte sounded familiar, it should. He was Napoleon's brother. I didn't know that he'd spent any time in Jersey, but he did. Something new for us. He said that he saw it while hunting on his property in 1820. In 1840 and 1820. But did he shoot it? I don't don't know. Well, then again, it's like... Yeah, let me take some time. Might as well fire it up. Wait five minutes and then I'll be able to shoot. In 1840 and 41, it was blamed for several livestock killings. During the week of January 16th to the 23rd in 1909, there were hundreds of supposed encounters in South Jersey and the Philly area. The widespread newspaper coverage caused schools to close and workers to stay home. Could you imagine today if the newspapers were like, everybody's seeing the Jersey Devil and schools shut down and were like, don't send your kids, it might be out there. Um... I feel, almost... I feel like like people cover up the absurdity of the past, make it seem like we're the weak generation, and they close schools because people saw the Jersey Devil. During this week, while schools were closed and workers weren't going to work, groups of hunters were roaming the woods and countrysides looking for the Jersey Devil. They didn't get it. Um, <laughs> no? What? In Greenwich, in December 1925, a local farmer shot an un- unidentified animal as it attempted to steal his children. He photographed the corpse and later claimed that he showed it to over a hundred local residents and nobody could identify it. Was it the Jersey Devil? If it was, he killed it. Where's the picture? It's the 1800s. This was all like his claim. What what year was this? 1925. 
so this one wasn't super. Recent, you know, Pop Pop was ago. born by then. Yes. Uh, I'm just July saying. July 27th, 1937, an unknown animal with red eyes was seen by multiple residents of Downingtown. In, yep, and so that was clearly the Jersey <laughs> Devil. <laughs> In 1951, a group of boys from Gibbstown, New Jersey, saw claimed they saw a monster matching the devil's description. Uh, in 1960, cracks and noises heard near May's Landing were attributed to the Jersey Devil. Merchants around Camden offered a $10,000 reward for its capture and offered to build a private zoo to house it if anybody oh, bought it. This nice. prompted some people... Some hoaxes where people brought in different animals. Oh, it's like, like it's for Roanoke when they it's, were like, "It's a bear! It's the yeah. Jersey Devil!" It's like I'll, in Roanoke where they were like, "Reward for the any stones. more stones," yeah. and he was like, "Oh, I've got like forty of them in my backyard." I can't wait to tell you guys about my favorite hoax. Oh, You're gonna like so it. So excited! Um, so, despite all these supposed sightings, there is no real evidence of the Jersey Devil. You're probably shocked to hear that. Jeff Brunner of the Humane Society thinks that the Sandhill Crane is the basis of the description in the story. So I'm going to show you what the Sandhill Crane looks like. I feel like um, it doesn't look like a dragon. Well, I kind of get... I was correct. It does not look like a dragon. Um, but I think if it was dark and you saw it shoot off through the trees or something, you might not necessarily recognize what it is. But I wouldn't go, it oh, it must be a head. dragon. But yeah. you would also know that that's well, a bird. Well, the Jersey Devil isn't... Yeah, I, you would think he would. <laughs> I feel like he was like, "What's the closest thing we have locally?" And it was that. I feel like you. It would make more sense if it was like a hawk or an eagle, something with like talons for people to like. Or get confused like with. a like, big no. bird. That yeah. Do you know how big a hawk or an eagle is? Not a Not dragon big. size. Okay. Well, the bigger than that. Supposed to be dragon size. It's supposed to be smaller than a dragon. She said that. Anyway. But okay. Um, a man named stuff. Tom Brown Jr. is an outdoorsman who spent several seasons living in the wilderness in Pine Barrens. It was a thing that he did. He would spend like the spring or the summer. This, I don't have a year for this, but this is in the 1900s. This is kind of more recent. Okay. Um, Just... He would cover, while living in the, in the wilderness, he would cover himself with mud to repel mosquitoes and said he accidentally terrified several hikers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should just get stuck with mosquitoes then, or maybe don't live in the wilderness for. I imagine he was popping out of bushes too. <laughs> Probably after happened the first time, he was like, "Oh, this is good." Sounds... He was just like, "Hey, right here," and they just scream. Very much like a Scooby Doo episode, <laughs> like he's just a swamp monster. <laughs> it was just Tom Brown. Oh, that um, old um, medical sociologist Robert Bartholomew and author Peter Hassel Bartholomew. think that the wave of 1909 sightings were just mass hysteria. Um, which For any particular reason? Or just... just He thinks it was a case of a couple people started saying they saw it and it just and then spread and then people okay. get the way that they get. Um, there is a group called Devil Hunters. They are a Jersey group that consider themselves to be the official researchers of the Jersey Devil. They spend their days trying to find proof well, I'm glad well, no, that somebody is, is on top of it. Yeah. Um, so, hoaxes. In 1909, during that week of craziness, there were alleged footprints found. They looked like a horse's hooves, and a man later admitted that that's exactly what they are. He faked them. I mean, if I had wings, I wouldn't really walk anywhere. Did... Oh my god, look at that deer! Why is there a deer here? What? 
I just caught a glimpse of the airport. We don't get deer. Uh, yeah, yeah, you guys are in town. Where did you see it? Yeah, we're not like In the backyard? It's so, so much like city people with the. Oh, look at the shit. deer! Is it in the air? Yeah. Well, I do want to see it. If there were like a herd of deer, I'd be like, this is the end of time. <laughs> we need to be following the deer and run. Wait, were you we recording the yeah, entire the whole thing? Can we post that like separately right. when we? <laughs> yeah, was in it, the middle of recording when you when we see deer. All right, we deer. Need, um, uh, this is my favorite hoax. A man named Norman Jeffries was a publicist for Philly's Arch Street Museum. Was aware of the stories about the devil because everybody was. This is very very early 1900s. The museum proprietor had had a conversation with him and said the museum was in danger of closing because they weren't having enough attendance. They weren't bringing money. They needed something so to they needed the devil attendance. So, um, Jeffries planted fictional newspaper stories about sightings. And in 1909, doesn't say that it was during a week of craziness, but still 1909, he and his friend Jacob Hope purchased a kangaroo from a circus. Oh my god! And they glued fake claws and bat wings to it. And they displayed it to the public at the museum. And he didn't admit it was a hoax until 20 years later. People paid to go to the museum to see a kangaroo with fake claws and bat wings glued to it. I'd pay to go see a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> and you do, going to the and museum. And yeah, no, but like I would go just to like, see a kangaroo up close. Uh, nice animals. This one I enjoy because it was recent and I have a picture to show you I know you they're not nice. So David Black, a New Jersey resident, claims to have captured a photo. I don't have the year, but this was not that long ago. Says he was driving around and saw what he thought was a llama. Pulled over to take a picture. Suddenly it sprouted wings and took flight. Uh, he said even though he's being mocked and laughed at online, he wanted to alert the community because it could snatch children out of cribs and steal souls. I'm gonna show you guys the I picture feel like that he that's took. That's a giant leap for here's the picture one photo. I I am. Why does he think it's snatching babies out of cribs? <laughs> Someone threw that goat in the air. Are you afraid? That Do looks, you feel this is a real picture? That, that looks photoshopped as hell. <laughs> it's one of the most obviously photoshopped pictures I've ever seen. Someone like took a, a picture of a goat, legend. put it in the air, Maybe and then added some too. wings. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, I, I also love the, that it's a silhouette. Uh, yeah, I, I also, told you in the beginning I didn't want to show you a picture of the Jersey Devil. You know, I'm glad it. you saved that for the end. Yeah, but, but also now seeing a goat like in here's air, the illustration it's, it's kind of scary show us before. Boy, you're let down, right? It doesn't. It doesn't like a llama's face. I'm getting Look at weird little arms. I would like to. His ankles. <laughs> his ankles are so weak. Uh, I had never looked up pictures of it before. Or anything. Wait, I just it assumed has... based on the name Jersey Devil, it was scarier than this. You know what it it looks it like? It has hooves for feet. Yeah, not like claws. No, it's uh, in the original legend. It was hooves. It looks like Go someone ahead. covered up sections and was like, draw a part of an animal. Yeah. And someone was like, all right, I'll do a goat head. And then someone below was like, giraffe And then someone below was like, mm, let's give him some wings. I feel like it's like the TikTok videos that people do where they'll pull different things out of a hat and be like, now I have to make a character out of this. Yeah. 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 So, are you feeling let down? You should be. I was very disappointed. I mean, yeah. I loved the last photo. Did you guys see that video where a deer busted through someone's front door? 
Yeah. And then, like, got trapped in her house. And she was just like. throughout. Are you now afraid that a deer is. Yeah. All right. So that's it. We talked about the Storm Hag, the Bust of Nowhere, and the Jersey Devil. I definitely enjoyed the Storm Hag the most. I liked the Bust of Nowhere because I genuinely believe that it's a serial killer. Okay. And I I like the background to the Jersey Devil. I like the I like the Titan leads Ben Franklin bullshit. Mm -hmm. I enjoy all the hoaxes. Yeah. For Jersey Devil. (laughs) Cool. I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. I wonder if they're real. Oh. Well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. Follow our Instagram at sinister underscore and underscore sarcastic for show updates. And we also post each episode with some photos. We are always looking for new, interesting show ideas. So if you have any folklore, true crime, or mysterious cases for us to cover, please feel free to DM DM us on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the show and want to purchase some merch to show your support, you can find a link on our Instagram.